Welcome to Bitcoin Sermons, the podcast that preaches how Bitcoin is connected to the coming of Jesus. It's a fascinating topic, and I think it's like the elephant in the room that not many are really talking about, even though it's so obvious. Well, whether you're a Bitcoiner or a Christian or both, this podcast has something for you. I want to start off this today in the spirit of podcasting 2.0 by appreciating the boost from a user on the Fountain app who said, Praise the Lord, PTL. Thank you for Bitcoin sermons and your dedication to God. And I just want to thank that user for this comment and for the sats associated with this boost. And I just want to say, you know, you're very welcome. And it's people like you who really make it rewarding to do this podcast. And it's really encouraging just to see responses from live individuals out there who genuinely appreciate the content that I'm providing in these episodes, or that God is providing in these episodes, that I am privileged to study with you from His Word. And I really love that you started off your comment with praise the Lord, because that's really what this is about. It's about him and about what he's doing in the world through Bitcoin. And that's really something to praise the Lord about. And that's what Bitcoin sermons is all about. And I just want to say you're very welcome. It's my pleasure to do this podcast for people like you and for those a few regular listeners that I know are out there and I think about you and, you know, not every week I feel like doing a podcast, but it's a rewarding experience and invariably it changes my mood. If I'm not feeling up to it, when I get into the podcast and into the subject matter and start really exploring how God is working through Bitcoin as explained in the Bible, that just gives me an excitement and encouragement and hope and a reason to praise the Lord. And so I'm really happy when I see that others also are gaining a similar experience and are joining me in praising the Lord uh, for the things that he's sharing in this podcast, in his word. And so today, I don't know how this episode's going to go. I didn't really plan a topic and nothing really jumped out to me this week. But we did have some topics last week that I didn't get to cover. And I was partly relieved that last week a different subject kind of came up and I didn't have to talk about the other subject. I kind of felt that I had from the Lord last week, but I didn't feel like it was the right time to present it. And I'm still not sure if it's the right time to present it. And so we'll just see how this episode goes. And I try to let the Spirit lead as much as possible by not planning too much in detail or rehearsing what I'm going to say. And just kind of follow how the study goes and how the Spirit leads. So I'm going to try to do that today. And I try to keep the podcast itself filled with content, and so I don't pray or do any other worship formalities on the podcast itself, but 
I do pray before every podcast, and I do that because I'm just an ordinary person, and I need the Lord's help in every episode to be able to present what He would like presented, because I'm doing it ultimately for Him, and I want the episodes to be His messages to you, not my messages. So, enough about that, and, you know, we talked last week a lot about Satoshi as the the common person, the pleb, and we've kind of covered that pretty well, I think, and just kind of wanted to reiterate that, but just to let you know that, you know, I'm just an ordinary guy, and, you know, partly for that reason, I really do find encouragement when others are blessed by the podcast. So, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I guess maybe I can start this off how I ended the last message, and that was with sort of a remark about looking up. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said, that when you see the signs of the end of the world, to look up because your redemption is drawing nigh. And some of those signs that we can see are in the things that we're seeing with Bitcoin and how it is paralleling a lot of the things that Jesus talked about in the Bible and how in so many ways it's fulfilling on earth the Word of God. And this idea of looking up is actually, that's partly why in the background for the logo of Bitcoin sermons, why I chose to put a starry background to indicate the relationship that Bitcoin, as it's expounded in the Bible, is actually very connected to the heavens. And it should give us reasons to look to the heavens where, you know, to God, where the original pattern is for Bitcoin here on earth. And it's just like, you know, I've spoken about this in some of my early episodes too, about how God appeared to Israel on Mount Sinai. Basically, heaven came down to earth, so to speak, you know, on the mountain, and, you know, and God gave the the law to the Israelites. And Moses, when he went up into the mountain and learned all the details about how the tabernacle and the sanctuary system should work, he was shown the pattern from heaven. So, you know, God brought the pattern from heaven down to him and showed it to him here on earth for him to build the earthly tabernacle, the earthly sanctuary after the pattern of the heavenly things. And, you know, Bitcoin is like that. It follows the pattern of heavenly things. And that has kind of a double meaning. It follows the pattern of heavenly, as in godly things, the things of God, like how the Bible describes the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Bitcoin fits those descriptions of the kingdom of God. So it's heavenly in that sense. It follows the heavenly pattern in that sense, but it actually also follows the heavenly pattern in sort of a more literal sense in terms of what the heavens, referring to the stars, actually teach us. And 
I'm not going to go into things that you can find elsewhere on that subject, but what you can't find elsewhere and what motivates me to do this podcast, and I'll just say that part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because Bitcoin has kind of given me a renewed hope in humanity as well as a renewed hope in God. And I think I mentioned this in the previous episode that for Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever he was, to have gifted humanity with Bitcoin is itself an optimistic deed. He had to believe that humanity was actually good enough to receive Bitcoin. And that's where the Bitcoin adoption trends are actually pretty significant and they kind of are an index into the state of humanity in a certain sense. Those who love the principles of Bitcoin really have God in their heart, so to speak, in a certain sort of way, or at least have the principles of his kingdom at, at heart. Whereas those who love the fiat system, the existing, the old monetary system, whether in its digital form or in its paper form, they kind of have a different mindset, a different heart. And that distinction is something that Bitcoiners who really understand Bitcoin and and appreciate it for what it is, and not just as a get-rich-quick scheme, Bitcoiners understand that. And, you know, I mean, that's what motivated the creation of Bitcoin in the first place was the understanding of how important sound money is to the health of society. And so for Satoshi to gift humanity with Bitcoin is really a testament to his faith in humanity. And here again, we come back to this same parallel that I kind of explored a lot in the previous episode that Satoshi, in many ways, is a real-life illustration of some aspects of the character of Christ or of God. God, in giving Christ, in giving Jesus to the world 2,000 years ago, and equally Jesus in giving himself, his own life, for the world 2,000 years ago, they expressed, in so doing, you know, we, we often talk about that they, they did it for the redemption of mankind. But when you understand that it's no guarantee that a man will be converted by the love of Christ, then you understand that, you know, yes, God gave his son for the salvation of the world, but it was no guarantee that the world would be saved by him. There was no guarantee that the world would accept him as their savior. And so God and Christ in what they gave up for the world, it was a risk and it was a cost that it was questionable whether there would be a return on that investment. And that shows that gift, that cost, that sacrifice in advance of the benefit that it would bring shows that God also put faith in humanity. And that blows my mind because You know, the Bible says, do not trust in the arm of flesh. Do not put confidence in man. And that is so true. God alone 
is trustworthy. God alone is worthy to be praised. God alone is truly just. But knowing that and then seeing how in a certain sort of way God put faith in humanity by saying to himself, humanity is worth sacrificing for. That blows my mind. Wow, that is the love of God. That God would love us so much is one thing, but that he would put his confidence in the fact that we would respond to his love, that's even more amazing. And that's kind of, you know, what Bitcoin shows or or what Satoshi showed through giving Bitcoin. He put faith in humanity that if he would give, if he would sacrifice to give Bitcoin to the world, that the world would actually accept it, would actually benefit from it, would actually adopt it. And that's an amazing thing. That's something that I had nearly lost, is faith in humanity. Yeah, faith in God is is one thing, but, you know, confidence in someone who you believe is infallible, who you believe is perfect and just and righteous, that's one thing. But to have confidence in human beings that you see fall short of the character of God, who you feel treated unjustly by, who you sacrifice for without reward, and who never come back to thank you, many of them. And when people never recognize what you have done for them, never come back and thank you for the sacrifices you've made for them, and you know, things like that. Personally, I had come to a point in my life where I had nearly lost faith in humanity. And in a certain sort of way, Bitcoin gave that back to me. And that's one of the reasons why I get excited about Bitcoin and its power to change the world. Not only does the Bible explain how Bitcoin can change the world, as I'm kind of expounding episode by episode in this podcast, but it has made a change in my own life, and not because of its financial value, not because of the price going up or something. I'm just an ordinary guy. I don't have financial resources. I'm starting from absolute zero. So not just in Bitcoin terms, but also in fiat terms. Yeah. And so I am definitely a pleb in, you know, in every sense of the word. And what I see in Bitcoin is the principles, its power to change the world and what it is doing in my own life, not through riches, not through having financial resources, not for becoming rich overnight, almost overnight, like many people experienced when the price of Bitcoin skyrocketed in the past. That's not my experience. That's not where I'm coming from. But the principles of Bitcoin are what attract me to it. And that's what I focus on in this podcast. This isn't a prosperity podcast. You know, like there are a lot of, you know, televangelists and so-called prosperity preachers that are always talking about how God will bless you and this and this and that. And, you know, and of course, they ultimately are (laughs) the ones who get blessed because people send in their contributions and whatnot. But Um, You know, that's not what this podcast is about. And perhaps in this episode, you will understand that that's not 
perhaps what Bitcoin is about either. You know, there's a temptation, you know, we're all bullish about Bitcoin, right? When we understand its principles and it can be tempting to kind of really lean into that when we talk to others about Bitcoin, like you should buy Bitcoin because, you know, the price is going to go up and it's so valuable and this and this and that. And, you know, in the future, you know, you're going to be much better off, you know, financially if you buy Bitcoin now, you know. And all this kind of stuff, you know, it's very easy to for us to kind of lean into that because in a certain sense, that's what we see and that's what we believe because of the principles of how Bitcoin operates. But what's not always understood or what sometimes maybe we guess wrong about is the time scale on which those things might happen. And, you know, it's the same with the dollar crash right? Everybody has been talking about the collapse of the dollar, you know, and, and, and hyperinflation, like, like really like hyperinflation, like wheelbarrows full of money just to buy a loaf of bread, you know, like it was in, in historical settings. And that's kind of what we've been preaching about the fiat financial system for years, you know, from the beginning of Bitcoin or before. And Many people expected it long before now, right? And it didn't come to pass. So there's, you know, we're right in the principles. You know, the hyperinflation thing is correct. The, the, the reason why people have predicted that is correct. But the timing is not always understood. And the same with Bitcoin. The principles are such that Bitcoin will, you know, skyrocket to the moon, you know, take over the world. But the timescale on which that will happen has not always been understood, right? Yeah, we've had excitement like in uh, 2017 and whatnot. And, and that really makes us think, oh, wow, you know, it can happen quickly. And yes, it can happen quickly. But on the other hand, it might not. You know, there's just, there are a lot of factors involved. And ultimately, time is in God's hands. And that's partly what I want to talk about today, is that God does hold the time in his hands. And that's where the heavenly pattern comes into relation to the earthly system of Bitcoin. Because there are timepieces in heaven. And I think... Everyone knows about them, but maybe not about all of them. So just for example, every day the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And that cycle repeats each and every day. And that's what defines the cycle of the day. It's defined by the heavens. It's defined by what's happening in the heavens. In a similar way, every year you know, because of the tilt of the Earth's axis and the way that the Earth revolves around the sun. Not only does that define the day, but it also defines the year and the seasons. It is the things of heaven. It is the heavenly movements, referring to the heavens as the celestial, the, the stars, the outer space heavens. The things of the heavens dictate or guide, or give rise to the things on the earth, the seasons, the day, the night, these type of things. And so that is a physical illustration 
literally for how the things of the heavens affect or direct or are the pattern for the things of the earth. That's the literal example, but it's an object lesson to teach us that also in the spiritual sense, the character of God in heaven in the spiritual sense as the place where God is, heaven in that sense is also the pattern for things on the earth as we see reflected in Bitcoin. And so the law of God in the kingdom of heaven is reflected here on earth in the laws of Bitcoin, if I can express it that way. And so let's just dig a little bit deeper because there are other timepieces in the heavens besides just the sun, right? There's also obviously the moon, which in its apparent size is more or less equivalent to the size of the sun in the sky. And the moon has historically defined the month. In all ancient civilizations, the moon defined the month. And actually, that's where the name month comes from. Literally, it comes from, the word comes from the word for moon. In recent times, the calendar has been kind of redefined for convenience to be more in alignment with the solar year. And therefore, the months have, you know, 31 or 30 days, you know, typically, and no longer follow the lunar cycle according to the calendar that we use today. But the general length of a month and the fact that the year is about 12 months long is something that originated from the motion of the moon around the earth. And so there again, you can see how the timing of heavenly bodies has a direct influence on the timing of things on the earth. And just as the sun, as bright as it is, has a much greater impact on the earth in terms of defining the day and night cycle and the seasons, which are, you know, very drastic changes to the earth every year or every day that really define life on earth. The moon is much dimmer. It's not as bright as the sun. And that is an object lesson as well. The effect of its gravity is also much smaller in comparison to the sun. And the scale of these physical properties of the heavenly bodies in their relationship to the earth is also partly an object lesson that's re it reflects it shows how the moon is a much smaller influence but it still has a physical influence it has not only an influence on the tides but also on the cycle of behavior of animals for example that rely on the light of the moon at night oftentimes nocturnal animals in particular. And so in various ways, the moon does have a very physical influence on the earth and on life on the earth, just as the sun does, but in a much smaller proportion, in proportion to the moon's brightness in relation to the sun. But these things have a spiritual lesson as well, just as the sun with its brightness is an object lesson for Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, the son of righteousness, the son of justice, for God, ultimately, 
the moon, on the other hand, has historically always been a symbol for the church and at the same time a, a symbol for femininity for the same reason that a woman represents the church in the Bible in the symbolism of prophecy. And so in the same way, the church has an influence on the world as the moon has an influence on the world. But it's not the same kind of influence that the sun has. It's a much smaller influence, and it's an influence that is reflective. The moon reflects the light of the sun. And in the same way, the church reflects the light of Christ to the world, or it should. Even there again, you have another sort of layer of symbolism or layer to the object lesson in that the moon goes through phases. It doesn't always shine in the fullness of the light of the sun, as the church should always reflect the light of Christ. Sometimes the church is dark, okay? Sorry to say. And the church must take care to always be facing the sun, always looking to Christ so that it can be a full reflection of his light, like the full moon. And so these are important lessons, but it comes back to Bitcoin as well. Now, the things that we've talked about with the sun and the moon and how they have an influence on the earth and how they represent the influence of God and the church on the world, the, the world in the human sense, that's all physical. That's, you cannot deny that. That's scientific. That's astronomical. That's hard science. You can't deny those things. I mean, you might dispute whether there's any meaning to the object lesson, but the fact that the sun and the moon have an influence on the earth is undeniable. And that's partly where the heathen idea of astrology, which is the false study of the stars, where it gets its idea that the movements of the planets have some effect on the earth or on your life. Or like, oh, if you were born when Venus was, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then when Venus is retrograde or blah, 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 then it means something for you in your life and you should do this or that. No, that's just pure nonsense. But the reason why people came up with that idea kind of originated from something that is actually very true and that is biblical. So I didn't really mean to spend too much time on that subject, but just to understand the basics of astronomy, the study of the science of the heavenly bodies, and astrology, the heathen worshiping of the stars, and kind of how that plays into a true understanding of how the heavenly pattern of spiritual things relates to the earthly counterpart. I think it's important to kind of understand that a little bit. And if you're interested in those subjects, I can direct you to some really good materials on that if you reach out to me. But that's not the focus of the podcast. You know, we want to understand how Bitcoin is connected to the coming of Jesus in this podcast. And so I'm kind of bringing that introduction here to this subject today to give you the background so that you understand how the heavens are an object lesson in the physical sense for how the spiritual things of heaven are related to what happens on the earth, okay? Through Bitcoin in particular, that's where we're going with this subject. And so just 
as the sun defines the cycles of time on the earth and the moon defines in a certain way the cycles of time on the earth, other heavenly bodies also define certain time cycles. There is the movement of Jupiter as it moves around the ecliptic and it takes 12 years to make one full round around the sky. And 12 years, 12 is suggestive of the covenant, okay? Has a biblical significance. And that's one of the rhythms of time that God has established, okay? And the other planets all have different cycles as well. I think uh, I don't necessarily have them all off the top of my head, and they aren't necessarily all equally significant. Every planet has its biblical significance. And like I said, that's, that's not the subject for today's episode, but there are also some newer planets that were only discovered in the age of the telescope. And one of those is the planet Uranus, or Uranus as some call it. And Uranus is a planet that's actually known as a timekeeper. And part of the reason for that is because it has a very exact period of 84 years. And just like Jupiter takes 12 years to make one full revolution around the ecliptic. Uranus takes 84 years. And 84 is a very special number with biblical significance. But I guess at this point, if you look at the movements of the planets and the timing of the planets and of all the things in the heavens, you can find explanations for virtually everything that humans have accepted as part of the cycles of life on the earth, except one thing, and that is the weekly cycle. There's nothing in the heavens that directly influences the earth according to a weekly cycle. And yet, the weekly rhythm is so important to humanity and has been ever since time immemorial. Why is that? And where did that come from? Well, Christians know that God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh day. And he blessed the seventh day and instituted it as the Sabbath, the day of rest. And that began the weekly cycle that we still observe to this very day, despite some various local attempts throughout history to try to you know, by haters of God to try to change that weekly cycle. We still have it today. But still, that's an explanation, and it's a correct explanation. But where is that in the physical object lesson? Yes, God gave the weekly cycle. But how did how do the heavens show that? And where's the where's the planet that makes a cycle once a week? You know, there isn't one. But what I'm going to show you in this episode is really amazing because we're going to talk about the weekly cycle in a way that I've never heard anybody else talk about it before. And that's through Bitcoin. Okay. Now, Bitcoin is special in that it is a clock. It follows a very predictable rhythm. And that's fundamental to how Bitcoin works. And I spoke a little bit in the last episode about why that is so important in relation to 
the great debate between big blocks and small blocks, which is still kind of ongoing a little bit. But the definitive resolution to that argument is how I explained it in the previous episode, that the limitation of block size is fundamental to the way that fees work. And the big blockers basically don't understand that. But what I want to talk about today is a little bit more about the actual speed of the blockchain. Most people who know very much about Bitcoin might be able to readily answer how fast blocks are produced. One block every 10 minutes on average. Interestingly, that's just an average. Kind of like how in the heavenly realm, the heavenly timekeepers, they also don't follow a 100% exact and predictable pattern. It is a predictable pattern, but there's variation. Not every year is exactly the same length. Not every day is exactly the same length. Not every month is exactly the same length. And Bitcoin kind of exhibits that same characteristic of, you know, having a block on average every 10 minutes, but it varies, you know. So now if you do the math, that turns out to be six blocks per hour, right? And six times 24, 24 hours per day, is 144. Now, to anyone who has studied the book of Revelation, that should already be ringing some bells, because the holy city in the book of Revelation is described as having a wall of 144 cubits. And I think I mentioned this in one of my episodes, but it's worth repeating in this context, that a wall to a city is its protection, it's its security. That's what protects the city from the invaders, from the raiders. And in the same way, for Bitcoin, the wall of protection is the cryptography and the mining of blocks and the proof of work and all that goes into that. And so 144 blocks per day is the strength of the wall that protects Bitcoin. That's to say, if you're a business doing business in Bitcoin, Every day, you know, businesses typically do a certain daily accounting and record all the day's transactions and everything that, you know, that's done on a daily basis. And so all of your transactions for the day are secured by 144 blocks, cubes, squares, cubits of proof of work, blocks, like the 144 cubits of the wall of the holy city. So do you see the reflection there? Do you see how the heavenly city is reflected in the earthly system of Bitcoin? I think that's really amazing, but that's just the beginning, okay? If you take that same number on a weekly cycle, if you have a 144 blocks on average per day, how many blocks do you have per week? Well, 144 times 7 is 1,008. Now, most people would not recognize that number as being anything special. Okay, it's near a thousand. That's interesting. It's not a thousand and twenty-four like the number that's found in computers often. And it's not exactly a thousand to be able to say that it's anything to do with the Bible, right? You know, the Bible talks about a thousand years, talks about a millennium, but where does it talk about 1,008 years? But if you study this number, 1,008 
in relation to the heavens and the heavenly bodies, then you actually come up with something very significant. And that's where the orbit of Uranus comes into play. 84 years per orbit means if you take the 84 years of Uranus's orbit and you multiply that out to fill one millennium, then you come up with something very interesting. And if you haven't grabbed a calculator yet, go ahead and do so because the numbers are getting a little bit too big to do in your head. Let's take a thousand years and divide that by 84 years for the orbit of Uranus. And again, all the planets have spiritual meanings and it's really a rich topic of study for those who are interested. And I think you should be, especially because of the way that the physical heavens teach us about the spiritual things. But you can reach out to me if you're interested in good resources on that. But the calculation, what we come up with is the number 11.90476, blah, blah, blah. Almost 12, but not quite. Well, 12 is an interesting number, though. What if it were exactly 12? Let's just redo the calculation from the other direction. And let's say, let's ask the question, how long does it take for Uranus to make its orbit 12 times? And again, 12 signifies the covenant, for example, signifies the number of gates of the holy city, for example. I mean, it has a lot of significance in the Bible. So let's take 12 times 84 years for the orbit of Uranus. And what do we come up with? Exactly 1,008. That's the average number of blocks that the Bitcoin blockchain grows every week. Isn't that interesting? Are you starting to see how Bitcoin, in some of its fundamental timing properties, reflects the heavenly pattern, the heavenly timing, the timing of the heavenly bodies? And if the physical heavens are an object lesson for spiritual things, then it stands to reason that Bitcoin, as a physical system, monetary system on earth, is also a spiritual monetary system. Wow, interesting, isn't it? Well, it doesn't stop there. And now, if 1008 were the theoretical figure for the duration of a millennium, the duration of a thousand years, as defined, sort of, you know, made known to us through the exact orbit of Uranus over the course of 12 times 84 years, then we can simply just multiply 1008 times 7, right? And that comes to the number 7056. 7056 would be the exact duration or the, the, the ideal, the heavenly pattern for the duration of seven millennia, or in other words, the great week of time, as Bible students are aware. You know, according to the biblical record, if you take the ages of the patriarchs and calculate how long the earth has been in existence from creation until now, it's about 6,000 years, about six millennia. And we've actually entered into the seventh millennia already, according to the best of man's calculations. And in that way, the original creation week of 
six days of work on the part of God, and then the seventh day for rest, this is reflected over the millennia in the experience of humanity, that for six millennia, mankind has been working under the curse of sin, and now comes the seventh millennium of rest. And this is something that all Christians are aware of, or at least should be aware of. But now, in last week's episode, it just happened that we talked a lot about the Holy Spirit and the way that the Holy Spirit works in the church and how that is reflected in the way that Bitcoin operates. And that's, that's really an amazing thing, but it gets even more amazing. Now, the Holy Spirit is connected intrinsically with Pentecost in the Christian faith, right? The Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples of Jesus on the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost comes from Jewish tradition, comes from the law given on Sinai. It comes from that same heavenly pattern that was shown to Moses in the Mount. And the day of Pentecost is determined by counting seven weeks, or a week of weeks, seven times seven, which is 49 days. And after 49 days, the 50th day is Pentecost, hence the pent in the name signifying five or, you know, 50. And so intrinsic to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost is this notion of counting seven weeks, seven sevens or a week of weeks. And that's sort of like the great week, right? A week of weeks. That's the, the great week in a certain sense. And now, if we do that same thing with Bitcoin, and we ask ourselves, okay, how many blocks are mined, not just per week, but per week of weeks? How many blocks are mined in a week of weeks, in the great week? To see that that is even reflected in Bitcoin, in the way that the number of blocks mined during the count toward Pentecost reflects that same number, that is amazing. And that's, that's very significant. That means that Bitcoin is directly connected to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. What does that mean? These are amazing things. And I'm not sure how much we're going to be able to go into in one episode here. But I think it's very important. I guess, you know, one thing I did want to point out here is that God is time and times are in his hands. And the Christian church needs to understand that when we're looking for the coming of Jesus, we need to understand that God is not limited in the ways that he can fulfill his promises. Now, some Christians believe that Jesus comes at the beginning of the seventh millennium. Some Christians believe that Jesus comes at the end of the seventh millennium. And both of those points of view are derived from scripture. And I'm not on here to say which is correct and which isn't. Both have reasons behind them why people have made those conclusions. But what I am here to say is that God is not limited in how he fulfills his word. When he speaks, his word will be fulfilled, but not necessarily according to human understanding. And the church needs to take care. 
just as if Bitcoin is a reflection in some way of the church and Bitcoin adoption is in some way a reflection of the condition of the church in the world, as in the reach of the church in the world, then mm, that doesn't necessarily speak well of the situation. And if the price of Bitcoin, which of course has a lot to do with adoption, is therefore also some kind of reflection of how well the church is doing, then even right now, as the price of Bitcoin is has been a little lower than of late, one would have to warn the church, hey, be careful, because it could be that God provides salvation in a way that's different than you expect. It could be, if you're looking for Jesus at the beginning of the millennium, it could be that he meets you in a different way than you expect. And if your heart is not ready to meet your Lord, you know, the Bible talks about two resurrections, one before the millennium and one after the millennium. And, you know, Christians understand, I mean, it's made plain in the Bible that the resurrection before the millennium is for the good people, the one, the righteous, and the one after the millennium is for the wicked, for the bad people. You know, a lot of times Christians imagine that their first thought is, am I coming to life in the first resurrection or in the second resurrection? And that goes into some of the reasoning behind why many believe that Jesus comes at the beginning of the millennium. But I just say, take care that you find yourself with the Lord in the first resurrection. So what do we learn from this? I guess we could say, for one thing, that Bitcoin, in a certain sense, is in time with the millennial clock of God in the heavens. That's interesting. And being that Bitcoin is a system of financial justice, it's righteousness. It represents divine righteousness, unyielding righteousness in the financial underpinnings of the world. That's very much in keeping with the meaning of the millennium and the fact that Jesus comes to judge the world and that the time of the millennium is described in the Bible as the time of the judgment of the dead, or the spiritually dead, the wicked, the judgment of those who do not have the character of God. And that should be, well, should be concerning to, any, to everyone to really question whether they have the right character to thrive in the kingdom of God, the right character to thrive under the Bitcoin standard in the earthly parallel. This is very interesting stuff and something that Christians need to really pay attention to and take heed that their character is really what it should be. Just being a Christian, just believing the basics. Yeah, Jesus died for my sins and that's all that matters. Mm. No, that's not all that matters. Remember, Satoshi gave us a wonderful gift in Bitcoin, but if people don't adopt it, does it help? If people don't adopt it, are they going to be benefited by it? And the answer is no. And the same is with Christ. Yes, he came and he made an incomparable sacrifice to redeem mankind. But if I, as an individual, don't adopt him, if I don't become an adopted son of God, so to speak, 
which means that I partake in his character. It means that I'm like him, that I learn from him, that I follow his ways, that I live in his house, you know, that I do his will. Then if my life doesn't have the fruits of conversion, then I have to ask myself, where do I stand in relation to the sacrifice of Christ? Am I redeemed by it? Have I been benefited by it? Have I been saved by it? Or am I still like I was before? In which case, his great sacrifice will judge me in the end as being unworthy of eternal life. Just like how Bitcoin will someday judge the non-adopters and condemn them to a life of poverty, as Bitcoiners often say. Have fun staying poor to those who don't accept Bitcoin. Now, while they can. Accept Christ now while you can. And I don't mean just in a superficial way, but in a way that changes you. In the same way that accepting Bitcoin is not just about getting rich quick. It's about changing your thinking. It's about changing your habits, about changing your character, your life. Bitcoin is spiritual, as you can see by the fact that it reflects the pattern of heavenly things. And ultimately, you know, the Bible speaks about the resurrection of the just before the millennium and the resurrection of the wicked after the millennium. Ultimately, what kind of character you show now is going to determine which resurrection you find yourself in. And God is not limited in how he can fulfill his promises. And if the church is not ready before the millennium, if the church has not done its work, if the church has not taught the world the ways of God, it could be that the millennium in the kingdom of God in heaven is fulfilled in a different way than some people expect. Take care. The Bible says, judge not, lest ye be judged. Yet on the other hand, it also says, judge ye. There is a right way to judge and a wrong way to judge. Bitcoin teaches how to judge the right way. It's a just and fair system. Man's judgment, on the other hand, falls short. Man judges by the outward appearances, but God judges the heart. So, wow, I think that is a deep subject, and it's kind of an important one, and it's also very, hmm, how shall we say, maybe it's a little bit heavy, or it can be, depending on how you stand in relation to these topics. But there's a little bit more we could say about this, in particular about the relationship of Bitcoin to the Holy Spirit. You know, I mentioned before how Jesus spoke to the woman of Samaria about the fact that in the future, people would neither worship in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem, referring to the mountain of Samaria versus the temple in Jerusalem. And that instead, the Father seeks people to worship him in spirit and in truth, in, in a non-tangible way, but in a way that's true. And I try to show in this podcast how Bitcoin is a spiritual thing and how that it brings true, practical Christian values into everyday life. And in a certain sense, the Holy Spirit you know, the Bible also talks, let me just read that really quick. The Bible speaks about God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. You were talking a lot about Pentecost and about the Holy Spirit here. 
And it, you know, the Bible speaks about God pouring out his spirit on all flesh at the end of the world. And this comes from the book of Joel. The book of Joel is about God's judgments. It's about the end of the world. And um, I mean, so much of this is relevant. Maybe we should just read through it real quick here, or at least at least chapter two. How about that? It says, blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. This is, you know, the day of the Lord. We talked about that in another episode, how the whole book of Revelation is about the day of the Lord. John was in vision on the Lord's day, on the day of the Lord. It's a day of darkness, verse 2, and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall there be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them. Again, we're reminded of creation and the rest of the Sabbath in the Garden of Eden. And behind them a desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face the people shall be much pained, All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. And they shall march every one on his ways. And they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. Remember, Jesus said his coming is like a thief in in the night. Here that's alluded to by these multitudes who are coming in through the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon, we talked about those today. The sun and the moon shall be dark. And the stars, including the planets, those are also stars. And the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And who can abide it? Who can stand in the day of the Lord? And this verse, we're at verse 11 now. This verse also speaks about the Lord uttering his voice before his army. These are very, very significant things. And it kind of, again, goes off the topic of the podcast a little bit. Therefore also, continuing in verse 12, saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Wow, wow, wait a a minute. We're reading about the great and terrible day of the Lord, judgment day, and yet God says, repent, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God? You don't know what the Lord's going to do. Even on the day of judgment, you don't know if he's going to repent, have mercy on people because they repent. Verse 15, 
blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. This is serious, folks. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Isn't that how it is today? The evil is so strong. The powers of the fiat financial system are so strong. In recent years, you've seen all the evils that have come out, and that's just getting worse. The digitization of national currencies is just going to make that worse, and that's coming so quickly. And the pandemic, precedents, all these things really fit the context of these verses. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith. So now it comes to financial things. Now it comes to Bitcoin. The Lord says, On judgment day, the wicked are triumphing, but he has pity and he sends corn and wine and oil. Now that refers to spiritual food, understanding and things like that. But it also has a very literal, financial, practical aspect too. That when, as we see in the world today, the fiat financial system is draining the money from all the people through the inflation, printing of the trillions of dollars and all that. Still, the Lord says, I will answer and say that he will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith. In other words, he will provide. He will provide what his people need. Interestingly, it just says you'll be satisfied. It doesn't say you'll become rich. It doesn't say I will lift you up and exalt you and make you wealthy, more wealthy than the wicked. At least in this verse, it doesn't say that. It just says, I will send you corn and wine and oil. He says, I will satisfy you. You'll, be, you'll have enough. And I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. We're at verse 20. But I will remove far off from you the northern army, which was obviously... You know, now, who's the northern army in today's context? Well, let me tell you, um, you know, Bitcoiners know this very well, that there's a shift happening. In fact, so-called prophets have been talking about this for a long time, about a coming pole shift. And, you know, people, you know, it's kind of nebulous. It's, it's, it's kind of a nebulous concept. And uh, people don't really understand what that means. You know, people talk about the axis of the earth tilting, you know, and things like that, or the, the magnetic poles reversing and stuff like that. And, you know, people don't really understand what is really meant. But Bitcoiners understand, but they don't have the spiritual concept. Bitcoiners know that the global south is going to be the new powerhouse, ec economic powerhouse of the world and that the north is no longer going to be. And that's what the Bible says here in verse 20. It says, but I will remove far off from you the northern army. These are these were historically have been the the ones who have sucked the wealth out of the rest of the world, out of the global south and sort of taken advantage of 
you know, whether it be mining in Africa and South America and, and everywhere in the South or whatever the case may be, it's been the North that has been sucking the resources of the South and the South have been, has been oppressed. But here it says, I will remove far off from you the Northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate with his face toward the East Sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea. And his stink shall come up, and his ill savor shall come up, because he hath done great things. Yeah, and this, his stink, his stench, I could just preach all day on this, but I, I, I want to stay a little bit focused on the topic here. Let's just say that it refers to the atrocities that have been committed primarily in the north. Verse 21, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. So now we see First of all, isn't it interesting that in the context of Judgment Day, the day of the Lord, the terrible and fearful day of the Lord, that in verse 21, he says, fear not, be not afraid, be glad, rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because he has given you the former and latter rain. That's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in symbolic form. Verse 24, and the floors shall be full of wheat. Now it's talking about abundance, not just sufficiency. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. <sighs> There's so much that could be said about these things. Wow. And ye shall eat in plenty. So things are going to change. Where before God allowed... It says, it says that the, these bad worms that ate the food, these bad ones, the, the bad army, he sent. This is kind of like, you know, the classic God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It doesn't mean that he was being actively malicious, but it does mean that he allowed it. In the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, God takes responsibility sort of for everything. He has the final say and therefore the final responsibility. And that's what's expressed here, that he sent the army. He allowed the wickedness to grow and to eat up the food of the righteous because the righteous had gone astray. See, that's kind of just the, it's actually just the outworking of consequence. That's how God works. Verse 26, and ye shall eat in plenty. So now he's promising a change that those who repent in the day of judgment they will have plenty. They will be satisfied. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God. We started off this episode with praise. And that's what Bitcoin is, is it's a praise to God for the plenty and for the satisfaction of our needs that he has dwelt, I'm sorry, that he has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward, 
that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is the verse I wanted to come to. And this is now still on this topic of the latter rain, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on God's people, like on the day of Pentecost, which we already covered, you know, how that's connected to Bitcoin. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Does it say my spirit upon the righteous? No. It says I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Is a spirit something tangible or something intangible? It's intangible. So something spiritual, something intangible, something that's not physical will be poured out upon all flesh. Doesn't that sound like Bitcoin? It's a monetary system. It's a system of intangible money. It's not physical money. You can't hold it in a physical sense. It's just, you know, numbers in a distributed ledger. It's intangible and it's available to all, not just to the righteous, but to the righteous. He's, he's speaking to the righteous here and he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your, so the ones he's speaking to, the righteous, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. So his spirit, the spirit of the righteous God, the spirit of justice, the spirit of judgment on judgment day, right? The spirit of the great judge of the universe. I will pour out my spirit, God is saying, upon all flesh. Isn't that what Bitcoin is doing? Isn't that the spirit of justice? Isn't that the intangible monetary system that enforces relentlessly justice by making it impossible to counterfeit money, impossible to print money that doesn't exist, impossible to fabricate value that doesn't actually exist? That's what God has given through Bitcoin to all flesh. It's non-discriminatory. And at the same time, your sons, the, the church's sons and daughters, shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Wow! And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. So that means even the servants and handmaids, even the poor people who are, you know, have no wealth at all whatsoever, no independence, they just have to do what their master says. Even they will receive of the Spirit. And that speaks to how Bitcoin is something that's accessible to all, even the poor, or, you know, you could say especially the poor. Wow. And, verse 30 now, And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Okay, and I'm not going to go into that, but... Verse 31, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. So those were the signs that came before, and they came before. And just the last verse of the chapter, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. And again, just in case it's not clear, to everyone. I'll just say that, you know, this is the Old Testament, and when it speaks of Zion and Jerusalem, it's speaking figuratively, not the literal city of Jerusalem today. The Bible in the New Testament makes that clear, especially in the book of Revelation, that there is a new Jerusalem, and that that's where the name of the Lord will bring deliverance, not from old Jerusalem. 
And we talked in earlier in this episode about the wall of that city, Jerusalem, and its relation to Bitcoin. So again, in some way, Bitcoin is connected to the Jerusalem, to the Mount Zion, from whence comes the deliverance of God. Wow, wow, wow. That's a very interesting take on Judgment Day, right here in the heart of the book of Joel. In the chapter that is so often quoted in regards to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as in the day of Pentecost, just before the end of the world or during the end of the world. That is just amazing. And now you know how Bitcoin is also connected to that theme in even more than in the ways that I described in the previous episode, even in the numbers themselves. You know, the 10 minutes per block of Bitcoin was kind of just an arbitrary decision. I think nobody, I mean, Satoshi didn't deliberately choose that number because it's a biblical number because it comes out to 1,008 if you add it up over the course of a week or, you know, all these things that we talked about in this episode. Those are coincidences, but they're not just coincidences. They have a counterpart in heaven. They follow the heavenly pattern. And therefore, one can only conclude that What's the likelihood of these coincidences all happening together? And in this whole podcast, you know, we cover many, many ways in which Bitcoin fulfills the things that are spoken of in the Bible. And so this is just one of many when we talk about how the timing is reflective of what's in heaven. And so I just want to say, when there are so many coincidences that it can't be mere coincidence, mere chance that these things happen, then you know that the hand of God is involved, that it's a matter of he directed the affairs. He inspired Bitcoin to be developed in the way that it was. He worked through the human instrumentalities, through Satoshi Nakamoto to accomplish his purposes. And therefore, it's all about praise to God not praise to Satoshi Nakamoto, not praise to man for man's intellect in inventing such a system. No, it is praise to God for man having the fidelity, having the faith, having the sense of justice, the sense of righteousness, the, 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 the honor of creating such a system and then gifting it to the world as Satoshi did. That is what this is about. It's about praise to God, not praise to man. It is about the character of God that should be reproduced in man. And that's what Bitcoin helps us do as Christians and as people in general in the world. So, wow, I can just say this has been an amazing subject. And I was a little bit hesitant to share this topic last week. And actually, I've known these things for quite a while but I didn't feel it was the right time. But but last week, God began to lay it on my heart, and I kind of wasn't quite ready last week in my relationship with him to be able to bring this to you. But I felt that the time had come and that this was the message for you today. So I hope that it's a blessing to all of you listeners who hear it, and I pray that it strengthens you. It's it's kind of maybe a little bit of a somber message in some ways, but it's also a very hopeful message. And it really puts things in a light that gives hope to many, many people. 
just as we read here, fear not, be not afraid, be glad, rejoice for what God has done and for what God is doing. And Bitcoin is a clock. It's a clock on the earth that follows the pattern of the heavenly clocks. And God is ultimately in charge of the time. And God ultimately is time. And everything happens according to his time. And so take care on matters of time scale, because a day for the Lord is like a thousand years. How long is the day of judgment? How long is the great and terrible day of the Lord? It's a great and terrible day. Or better translated, it would be to say a great and awesome day. Terrible in the old English means something more like awesome. And that's perhaps more fitting. It's the great and awesome day of the Lord. How great. Take care. Because the Lord can fulfill his promises in ways that humans can't comprehend. If it is for the development of people's character, for the better. If it means hope for the salvation of more souls. On that note, let me just close out this episode with kind of a reflection on how we began with the praise to the Lord as expressed through Podcasting 2.0. To kind of bring that interactivity into the episode is really what distinguishes Podcasting 2.0. And that's part of how you can share this podcast and help it to reach more people with the ultimate goal of bringing more people to accept Jesus Christ and not only to accept Bitcoin because physical salvation is one thing, but how much more valuable is the promise of eternal life that God has made through his son, Jesus Christ. So thank you for supporting this podcast and may God bless you this week. Bye-bye.